can maintain this level of peace in the midst of warfare. You can be so focused on the Lord while you're doing something else. While you're in the midst of battle. At work. In the midst of conflict. That it's possible we maintain this level and even deeper. Not necessarily being mellow, not everything that is good is God. Anybody have a demon this morning? Because I feel like casting out a demon. Just thought I'd ask and give you the opportunity. There's a lot of demon-possessed people walking around. There's a lot of demon-oppressed people walking around. I believe the vast majority of the mental illness that we are seeing is demon possession. Well, I'll give you the next hour to let me know if you are demon possessed so I can cast it out before you leave this morning. <laughs> hmm. Can you turn to Luke chapter six? Luke chapter six. Go all the way to verse 46. Jesus is speaking. Thank you, musicians. It's great, great, great. He said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Well, that's a really good question. Another place he says, if you love me, then do what I say. So our loving, faithful obedience to the Lord is demonstration of our love for Him. 
So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. He didn't stop at everyone who comes to me and hears my words. You're hearing my words and acting on them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. The literal English translation of dug deep is he went deep. He went deep. Have you gone deep or are you going deep with the Lord? I heard one response that came from behind me. That's much of the body of Christ issue is we're too shallow. Too much have stopped at salvation and maybe a few things about the Lord. But he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug, who went deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. Because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. What are we building the foundation of our life on? Now, the easy and Christian response is Jesus. Right? We're building on Jesus. But what does that mean? That you answered a call for salvation? That you're born again? Or saved? It is the beginning. But what does it mean to build or dig deep? What is Jesus talking about here? What's that? I'm sorry. To allow Him in every area. Amen. Excellent, Lori. Amen. Christ-like character. He's a man building a house who dug and went deep. And he laid a foundation on the rock. Well, Jesus is the rock.
Let me try to make it simple, very simple. I need simple. Does anybody need simple like me? I need it simple. If it's too difficult, I almost always throw it out because it's generally not the Lord. Because the Lord's very simple. It's not, not difficult. doesn't mean that it's easy to walk out. So Jesus, being our rabbi, our Messiah, our God, our master, the lover of our soul, our savior, and the many other definitions of his name and who he is. To be a true disciple is to shape and model our life after our master. That is going deep and laying a firm foundation on the rock. Is modeling, shaping, allowing the Holy Spirit to conform us, press us into the image of Christ. Because those Christ-like character traits, becoming like Christ, is the armor of God. The armor of God's not clothing. It's not something you put on every morning. It is Christ-like character conforming to Christ. That will carry us through with the Holy Spirit, with the, with the presence of God on the inside of us, carry us through any storm. Not just in salvation to be saved through a storm, but to be victorious in and through the storm. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and then acts on them. How about John 3.16? For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever... So what's the problem? The problem's not God giving. The problem's the receiving. It's the receiving of the gift that God gave. That's how simple it really is. It's just that simple. And we have really been trained to hear the Word of God. To read the Scripture. But it doesn't stop there. We must respond and we must do. Which follows through, not just the Scripture, not a good message, but follows through hearing the voice of God at any time during the day on what He's telling us to do or to say. Exactly. And that's going deep, building our life on the foundation of solid rock. So no matter what life brings us, that's a tough statement right there because some of us have already been through some very, very tough things. He's like a man, verse 48, who built, building a house, dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock, 
And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it. The house didn't even shake. Wow. Not that it didn't, you know, disappear. It didn't even shake. You want to be like that? I want to be like that. Because it's been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. You know, in thinking of this, every natural illustration always breaks down. It's never complete, 100% spiritual. And this one is no different. Meaning that when we, you have a foundation of a house, it's underground. Nothing's going to happen to that foundation. A tornado may come and take the rest of your house off, but the foundation's still there. But notice this verse doesn't talk about everything else that's built on top of the foundation. They're just talking about the foundation. See, the foundation of our lives, it's all above ground. The foundation of a house is below ground, but the foundation of our life is all above ground. Isn't it? Are you thinking or sleeping? I'm not sure. Storms are a blessing from God to test the integrity of our foundation. Psalm 11.3 says this, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We may possess great spiritual gifts, great anointing, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, prophesying to the nations. But when the storm comes, It tests our foundation. What is our life really built on? You see, our anointings, our gifts, our abilities do not validate our lifestyle. God can anoint a rock. He caused a jackass to talk. He can use men and women in powerful, mighty ways. But that does not validate their personal lifestyle and what they have built their life on. And to the point that we compromise our foundation, foundation materials, to that degree, to the degree 
that we are vulnerable during life storms. And three years ago, we had a great worldwide storm. And I'm not saying God caused it to test us, but it was there and it tested us. And where we were. It's like a barometer. Who are we listening to? What are we going to be moved by? Who are we going to obey? Do we have discernment at all? A few weeks ago, I went to uh, Mike Lindell's election summit, and I had something, I had several things, but one in particular, very interesting conversation. And General Mike Flynn was there, and I wanted to go meet him, and he was talking with a guy and his security guard was several steps in front of him. And he was approaching me as I was approaching him, and we met. I met the security guard and told him who I was. I was a pastor, and I'm running for state senate. Would love to meet the general. I have never had anybody ask me this, ever, to date, except this guy. After he said, nice to meet you, and he asked me one question. And I knew when he asked, that was, that was going to pivot whether he was going to let me meet the general or not. And this is what he asked me. Did you shut your church down during COVID? I'm not, and I said, no, sir, I did not. He said, okay. And he stepped aside. Here's why I love that question. Well, there's several reasons, but here's one, one reason why I love that question. Because that was a great test for men and women Christians all over the world. Not just whether we're going to close our church down, but are we going to obey? God or government? Who are we going to listen to? This has got everything to do with faith. I'm talking about faith this morning. Everything I've talked about so far has everything to do with faith. It's who are we going to trust? We have some major storms bigger than 2020 coming. And here's something I know for certain. God has given us everything we need to not only survive, but to thrive. But we're going to have to be discerning like we've never been before. Not just taking the words for for everybody that's on YouTube. But what is God telling us in our own heart? Because you see, for some ministers, God may be saying A, but for others, He may be saying B. He's not telling everybody to do the same thing at the same time, all the time. 
We've got to know what God is speaking to us. And too many, really, we'll just be honest about it, too many men and women with great anointings and great power donned the mask and went home in 2020. Some of my friends that have national ministries, I've seen it. They even sent me some messages trying to straighten me out about some of the comments I was making about what was going on. Now, I'm not saying I always get it right. But here's what I'm saying. When you know what God has told you, you've got to stick strong with your convictions no matter what. We have to be principled people all the time. Not just polling the audience. You see, when I asked the Lord what to do and He said don't participate, I knew exactly what He meant. And that means if every one of you disagreed and never came back, I still had to do what God said. And so do you. That's building our lives, or at least uh, an example of building our lives on that foundation, digging deep. And trusting God in the midst of it. We go to jail, we go to jail. If we're obeying God, we're in complete obedience to what God is telling us to do, then everything that happens to us in that process, God is surrounding us. Jesus was perfectly obedient and He went to the cross. He had the skin whipped off His back, thorns jabbed down onto His head, Nails in his head. And he was in the complete, perfect will of God. Some of the apostles, and the way they died, and their imprisonments, and in beatings. Dear God, look at Paul. And he was obeying God. Somehow in America, we think obeying God means we're going to have this rosebud, easy life. And I love the times that we do. Our spiritual gifts, our anointings do not validate the integrity, the foundation of our life. Because God can use anybody at any moment to do anything. For faith, really pretty much like everything else, to be pure and undefiled trust and confidence in God, it must be tested. Not might. Not maybe, it must. Genesis 12.1, you don't have to turn there. and Most of you are going to remember this anyway. Genesis 12.1, and just as a reminder, it's right after Genesis 11 about the Tower of Babel, the world's first globalist venture, one world government. And immediately from that, God, even in chapter 11, God begins to form a nation, the nation that became Israel. But it talks about some lineage in 11, and right from verse 1 of chapter 12, God asks Abram a question. Does anybody remember the first question God asked him, or the first thing he told him to do? He said, go. Who is Abram, Abraham to us? The father of the faith, right? What's the first thing God tells Abraham to do in Scripture? Go. That's faith. 
Because if you look at verse 4, you know what happens? Abraham got up and went. That's faith. God told him, he obeyed. That is faith in its simplicity. God tells Abraham, you go. Three verses later in verse 4, Abraham went. Everybody can figure that one out, right? That's easy. That's what faith is. Abraham had a lot of stuff. It wasn't just Abraham by himself jumping on his motorcycle and going. Transportation was hard back then. He had servants. He had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of cattle, all kinds of stuff. That takes preparation. That takes organization. That that takes a lot of work to get everybody together and leave. Sometimes we read Scripture and we don't know the backstory of how difficult the challenge actually was. And not only that, he tells Abraham, go and I'll show you where to go. He'll show him on the way. You just start going. Now, if Abraham was me, well, God, well, let's plan this out. Because I got Google Maps. So, and where's the pit stops? You know, where do we refuel? And where are we getting water and food? And no, just go. If you read Abraham's life, God took him on a journey of fellowship with him. And it started with that one word first, you go. And Abraham enjoyed a lifelong, from that point on, intimate fellowship with the Father. You see, God didn't come to Abraham the very first time and said, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son. His challenges got a little difficult as they went along. Faith is not always easy. But when we respond in faith, that is when you receive the grace that is God's enabling power to be able to do what we cannot do on our own. You don't receive that whatever people sometimes wait for, empowerment to obey. Sometimes God will speak to you to do things in some really weird uncomfortable, odd situations that doesn't make sense. For the rest of our time this morning, which hopefully won't be too long, and nobody said amen. Wow. If you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to talk about one aspect that the Lord has been speaking to me personally about faith. And I mentioned this to the group Wednesday night, just briefly, this word. And you know, you can receive unpleasant words from the Lord. You know what I mean by that? They're, they're not a, necessarily a feel-good word. But when the Lord gives them to you, it, it somehow it just it, it gives you peace, it sets you free, it energizes you. It, it does all of those things you wouldn't think they necessarily would. 
And, and oftentimes, if another person gave that word out of timing and it wasn't from the Lord, there would be nothing on it. But when it comes from the Lord, whether it comes from another person, the Scripture, whatever it might be, and this word that I'm going to talk to you about gave me a peace, but it also gave me like a rejuvenation to a degree. And it was, it's not a pleasant word. So I just want to make sure you understand that. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll talk, uh, start here in verse 32. It says, so it's just jumping into the middle of the, the conversation. So just for time's sake, remember the former days when after being enlightened. So he's reminding the readers and the hearers, remember back when you first received Christ. Remember those days? It says you endured. That's the word. That's the word. Endurance. That's the word I want to talk to you about for the rest of our time. It's the word endurance. Notice what he says here. You endured a great conflict of sufferings. He didn't say you just endured some sufferings. You endured a great conflict of sufferings. The word conflict there is where we get the word athletics from. Athletics. Like in an athletic type of combat, so to speak. You endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming shares with those who were so treated. Remember back when you were first enlightened, you received Christ. You endured a great conflict of sufferings. In part, it was public. You received public persecutions and went through public tribulation. And some of you went through them because you're associated with the others that went through them. Verse 34, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners. Let me just say something about prisoners in the scripture. Um because it, it does encourage us to go to prisons and to, you know, minister to, to prisoners. But the main emphasis, do you know why it tells us that? Back then, and this is still true in some com- countries, uh, Nicaragua and Honduras, two countries I've been to many times, and I've ministered in, in their prisons many times, it's still true there. Because the country, the prison, does not take care of the prisoners' needs. They don't even feed them. So the way the prisoners get fed is ministries coming or people or family members coming every day to bring food and their needs. They're throw- I've been in prison, uh, Honduras in particular. They throw 30 guys in a nasty Smelly, there's just a trough in the back where they all do their business. And the ministry we were working with, they brought food once a week and had a a whole thing and, and we fed them. 
And that's how they, if they don't, if people don't bring food, they don't eat. Well, they fight the other ones that do. Uh, we, we have country clubs compared to what some countries deal with. For you, verse 34, for you showed sympathy to the prisoners. And listen to this. I underline this. And accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, now, he just mentioned some of the stuff these, this group of people have been through. And they're Hebrews. That's where the book's written to Hebrews. That accepted Christ. That went through a great conflict of suffering. Persecution, public persecution, tribulations, and the seizure of their property. And it says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence. What's another word for confidence that we've been talking about for the last six weeks? Faith. Which has a great reward. And then he's then verse 36. This is the Holy Spirit through the writer to us. Don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. Now, I'm not sure how you take the word endurance, but in English, when I take the word endurance, it depends on the context that it's given, but my mind immediately goes to put up with. That's not what he's talking about. Putting up with. Notice what he said in verse 34. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through the writer to us. Don't throw away your faith, your confidence. Even though you've gone through all of this suffering, even the seizure of your property, don't throw away your confidence, your trust in God. Because you have need can you imagine hearing this after your property has been taken? You've gone through all kinds of public persecution. Life is not easy. Don't throw away your faith and confidence because you have need for something. What's that need? Endurance. Are you grabbing hold of this? I read this the other day. And you know, you can read Scripture, but there's times where you know God's speaking right to you. And that's the way I took it. Joe, don't throw away your confidence, and you, need, you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what He's promised. For yet a very little while, 
He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, the scripture I've been quoting every week for during this, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We're not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Notice what the Holy Spirit is talking to this group of people that have had their property seized, gone through persecutions, trials, a great conflict of suffering. He tells them, you have need of endurance. Don't give up. Keep your confidence. And my righteous one shall live by faith, even though all of this has happened to you. And if you shrink back, my soul has no pleasure in you. I don't know about you, but that's not like a real feel-good message in the moment. But nevertheless, it's true because it's Scripture and the Holy Spirit breathes it. Because we have to remember this one fact. God has a twofold purpose, will for all mankind. The first one is He wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everyone. And the second one is painful. The first one was painful for Him. The second one's painful for us. The second main purpose, there's a part A, part B. The part B is this. He wants everybody that does receive Christ to be conformed to the image of Christ. To come into Christ-like character. And the one way, a major way he does that is taking us through times of sufferings and trials and persecutions. And he molds us. In the crucible, the fiery furnace of affliction. Aren't you glad you came on this holiday weekend? <laughs> we are not to stay children in our faith, but we are to mature in our faith. Hebrews 6.12 says it's not through faith that we inherit the promise. It's through faith and patience. That means we continue to do what God has told us to do. Period. Why? Well, in this message today, because we need endurance. Endurance means we continue doing what God's called us to do, no matter what happens all around us. Because situations and circumstances that happen around us do not dictate our faith. Only God dictates our faith. Yes, I'm going to go there. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter all kinds of trials, yippee-yay-yay. <laughs> Can't even get the amen out. It says, ay-yay-yay. <laughs> yeah, I need to take a drink. Yeah. 
Amen. Because that's the point. He wants to conform us to the image of Christ. That's the outcome. That's looking beyond, beyond the trial. Beyond the affliction. Like we talked about last week. Jesus looked beyond the cross. For the joy that was set before Him. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter all kinds of trials. The word trials there also means tests and temptations. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. We're in it for the long haul. We're in it until there's no more breath left in us. And then, we're still in it. And let endurance have its perfect result. Notice it's not faith alone. It's faith and patience. It's endurance. It's faith for the long haul. And it produces something in us. It has a perfect result, the Scripture says. So that you may be perfect. Another word for perfect is mature. And complete. Lacking in, say it with me, nothing. Is that amazing? Perfect, mature, complete, with no lack. Oh my gosh. Purpose in our sufferings and our trials. Continuing to place confidence and trust in God. As I've said many times, there's only one way I know how God defines success in our life. And it's just faithfulness. Whatever He has called us to do. It might not look like success in man's eyes, but he's, man's not the one that judges us for eternity. Trials test our faith. Our endurance. Are, are we going to continue doing what God said to do? No matter what we're facing. Folks, we have not faced some of the things in our lifetime in this country that we're facing today. And in the upcoming year and the year after, we're, not, we're still going to be facing some things we've never faced. The direction that we're going, Christianity is not going to be allowed publicly. The, the persecution's already been on the, uh, the uptick. And... and, and I want Trump to be our next president. I'll just tell you that. But he's not our savior. I think when Trump becomes president, uh, the globalists are going to have to change their, their agenda. It won't be agenda 2030. It'll be agenda 2040. They're, they're going to keep on this. Endurance is steadfastness, unwavering, being consistent, a resolve in trusting God, having confidence in Him during trials, sufferings, and even to the point of death. And the result is being mature and needing nothing. Complete. How much, glor- how much more glorious does that get? 
And think about it. How much more time do we have on this earth to even go through those types of things? And then we're in eternity for a glory and glory forever. I don't ever want to live my life and look back and say, I should have. I wish I did. I had the opportunity. I didn't take it. Should have obeyed God there and didn't. And look, some of us are above the age of 30. I realize that. Just a little bit above 30. And maybe we haven't made the right choices all along. But that is one of the benefits of walking with the Lord. Because there's a forgiveness that's extended. And today's a new day. It's always a new day of opportunity with the Lord to move on for the rest of your life. To follow Him and be obedient to Him from this moment forward. And the past is behind us. It's under the blood. It's forgiven. And we move forward. And even in our moving forward, we make mistakes. We miss it. All of those kinds of things. There's immediate forgiveness. We ask the Lord to forgive us. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And cleanse us of some sins. Just making sure you're listening. All sins. Yes, the blood of Christ cleansing our conscience. Let me just uh, mention one more thing real quick, just as a side note. Because in James, verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, but he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, there is a ton of stuff in here, and I'm not going to take the time to go through every bit of it. But I have heard this passage used many times for how to walk in faith. And that is not exactly what this passage is talking about. Let me explain. What is the topic so far in James? He's talking about faith. And he's talking about what? The trials that we go through. That we are to endure to be complete and perfect. He hasn't changed that topic. So when we're in those times, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom. When you're going through these things, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give you the wisdom. Because you see, sometimes we go through trials and there are consequences of our own bad choices. Sometimes we go through trials and it was like God breathed. He was he's training us. We're going through this like a, an athlete in training and to be conformed more like him. Some can be as a result of sin. Some can be a result of somebody else, whatever it is. Now, it doesn't matter which because he wants to conform us into Christ. But how we respond could be different. Because if I'm in a trial because of my, the consequence of my own sin and bad choices, I don't just keep singing glory, glory, glory to God. Thank you for the trial. I repent of my sin. And change. You see? So he's saying in the midst of this, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God. And He'll give it to you. This wisdom is a part of discernment of knowing what's going on. How to handle it. How to walk through it. 
Yeah, but it's not just an example of this is how you have to ask in faith. He's specifically talking about this is this, and he's specifically talking about wisdom, not stuff, not asking God for stuff. Wisdom. That's the that we have to stay in context to what he's saying. And then he says, ask, ask. You have to ask in faith without any doubting. Well, how do you ask for wisdom in faith? What does that mean? Now, come on, we've been talking about faith for six, seven weeks now. How can I ask? Because, see, I can ask God for a 42-foot boat. But I'm not asking in faith. I'm just asking Him. But if I ask for wisdom, it says you need to ask in faith. What's the difference? Come on, this is so simple. It's according to God's will. See, if we ask anything according to His will, we'll receive it. Not if we just ask anything according to my will. So how, if we're going to ask God for wisdom, how do we know that's God's will? <laughs> exactly, it says it. You see what I'm saying? You see? That, so when you know what God said, ask for wisdom. Well, okay, God, I'm asking you for wisdom. Now I'm asking in faith because I know God already said it. He already said it. That's His will. His will for me is to have wisdom during these conflicts, these trials, these, you know, the testings of faith. So I can ask in faith. But see, some teachers have taken that and tried to apply it to everything. Just ask in faith. Well, because this is how I learned it at first. So what does that mean? Let's keep, let's keep reading. Verse 6. He must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. We believe. We don't believe. We believe. We don't believe. We're vacillating between what? Two opinions. Why is vacillating between two opinions within context of this so wrong? Because God already said He wanted to give you wisdom. If you know He already said it and it was wrote down for us, why are we vacillating? But God never told me He's going to give me a 42-foot whatever boat. I don't want one, by the way. I just came to my mind, so I used it. But I can still, as His Son, ask Him for that. But He's not obligated to give it. Unless he says, Joe, I want to give you a 42-foot boat. Now I can ask in faith. Because he, he said it. And I know he said it. So why would I vacillate? See, we vacillate so often because we're not sure what God said. We're asking him for things he's never promised us. And we're expecting them. And we bounce back and forth. What does he say? Do it without any doubting. So here's what I did real quick when I was first a Christian, because the way I heard this preached is I would get into my prayer closet, a literal closet, sit on our shoes, close the door, clothes hanging on me. I was very literal. Like, you know, you tell me to get into a prayer closet, I'm going in the closet. <laughs> I came out of the closet, but that was, I, that was a stupid joke. <laughs> stupid. I know I was stupid. 
And here's what I would try to do. I would try to convince myself that I'm believing what God says. I'm working it up almost to the point of sweat that I'm not going to doubt. I don't know if any of you have ever gone through those mental gymnastics before, but I did, and it wore me out. I did it for a long time. When faith is not that difficult, faith is just doing what God said to do. Faith is not just confessing it and hoping it happens. It's doing it. The reason why here in this context is removing all doubt is because God already said it. It's in Scripture for all of us. Ask for wisdom. So why would you doubt when you know that's what God wants to give you? You see what I'm saying? Amen. Bless you, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the gift of faith that you've given to all of us. The measure of faith. It's not about having a massive amount of faith. It's just having the right kind of faith. It's just having faith. Biblical faith. Trust and confidence in you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for this great nation, Lord God, that you gave birth to. That you're the one that gave us the God-given rights and freedoms. And I know that when we stand up, we partner with you. You will help us to preserve those rights and freedoms for all men in this, and women in this nation. Father, we ask you, Lord, for strong, principled men and women all across this country to stand up, to rise up. I ask you for a massive grassroots movement in this next election. That it would not be won by big money and special interests and it would be it would be won by the people of God following God. We bless you, Lord God. Thank you for our bodies, the bodies the way you've designed them to function and create. And I pray for each person in here, no matter what ailment issue they're dealing with, that their body would respond to the Word of God and be healed, whole, complete, and would function the way you created it to function until at the end of our days when we take our last breath. Bless you, Lord God. Father, I pray, I thank you for testing our faith. That we would dig deep and build our lives on deep, solid rock, the rock of Christ. That we would allow all things to conform us to your image. Glory. Father, may everything we say and everything we do bring glory to your holy name. And may you be honored. May you be worshipped and adored in this nation from coast to coast once again. May those that are dead receive revival. May those who are asleep receive awakening. Thank you for the shaking, Lord. Because we receive the kingdom that cannot be shaken. So anything that shakes is not kingdom. Glory. Amen.